to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Levenbrand. I'm Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of your podcast here today. And today we have an interesting book we will discuss with uh, very interesting thoughts and ideas and concepts behind it. It's called Black Goldfish, 10 Keys to Create a Differentiated Experience. And who would not like to have that? And we have the other at and expert in this topic, Stan Phelps with us, who also is a well sought out after keynote speaker on a different topics around marketing and sales and things like that. So with that, welcome to our podcast, Stan. We're so happy to have yeah. you. Jacob, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. And I know a lot of people have probably come across your books because this is uh, not your first book. You have written a lot of books in different marketing topics and related stuff. But for the ones who haven't yet done that, can you give us a little bit of background about yeah, who you so are I, and what you're up to? This is, this is actually the 10th anniversary this year of the first book in the Goldfish series. And so it started with uh, a simple marketing concept called the Purple Goldfish. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be a series, but it kind of expanded um, all things around the customer experience, the employee experience and how you drive engagement and kind of brand strategy. How do you stand out in a crowded marketplace? Yeah, awesome. So you're 10 series, uh, 10 books in into that series. Well, there's there's actually 17 because there's now <laughs> 2.0 versions of a few of the books. I've done a few industry specific books, but let's that's too many. Um, black was black was interesting. It's the latest. Um, and it's really you get the color black when you combine all of the other colors. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a recap of the entire series and how my thinking has progressed. Wow. Well, you will overcome uh, Kenneth Blanchard soon in his series of business books <laughs> if you keep going. But so interesting. And I know um, there's a lot of things to dive into there. So maybe we should just try to hear you out a little bit there. Um, I know um, uh, you have been writing this and, and you know have this idea of creating a differentiated experience. And maybe that is is, is one of the top level questions that comes up when, when everything is summarized, as you said, but what is the differentiated experience and why is it important talking for you today? Yeah, so there's actually, I've actually written kind of like my manifesto and it's, it's not long at all, but it kind of explains what DX is. And so the, the gist of the manifesto is this idea that your brand today is no longer what you tell people it is. It's the differentiated experience, what I call DX, your employees deliver. That's a key part. Mm -hmm. It's what you stand for and how your customers feel about you. And most importantly, it's what your clients and customers tell others about that experience. Mm -hmm. And I say all else is derivative of that and only that. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. So interesting. And so hard to uh, manage. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Because for me, again, I come from a marketing background. The first book was all about the customer. Mm -hmm. I thought the sun rose and set on your customer. And I studied over a thousand examples for that book. And what I realized, Jacob, is that the companies that really got it, that were like the, the masters at it, actually put one group ahead of their customers. And they actually put more of a focus and emphasis on their own employees because they realized the simple truth that you can't have happy, enthused customers unless you have happy, engaged employees. Mm. And so that led me kind of that that's sparked the second and then it kind of went along from there. Yeah. And I know you have done a lot of research over the years. I read somewhere about you that you have uh, worked with around 5000 case studies on 3000 companies and looked and analyzed, you know, what's what's uh, uh, typical for for successful companies and looking for patterns. Uh, is that the research that you have found those things to stand out or where do you find the, the background to these topics or, or these um, hypotheses and ideas you have? Around? Sure. So a lot of collecting all of those examples is really through, I do it through crowdsourcing. Mm -hmm. So I, I reach out to my network and I write about, I I'm a, used to be a Forbes contributor. I would write about these kind of case studies and ask people to send me examples. Mm. And what you start to see, Jacob, when you look across hundreds of examples, you start to see the patterns of how companies stand out. Um, and what, in the case of employees, drive employee engagement and reinforce their culture. And the, the entire thread through the whole series, it's not, a, it's not about the big things that you do. It's a lot of little things that you do to reinforce that culture and to and to reinforce both warmth and competence. Mm. Awesome. So that's so interesting. And uh, I'm running a business and, you know, everybody have the same problems here to create that differentiated experience. There's a lot of sameness and hard to stand out. I mean, it's so crowded in every social media, every, you know, everybody's on Twitter, everybody's on LinkedIn, everybody's on YouTube these days. So, I mean, there's very few channels you can communicate in without being uh, in a really tight market. And, right. and I think this is a very interesting and, and uh, of course, very relevant topic for almost every company who's young. Very few of us are unique in a, in a true sense. So... Where should I start as a practitioner, as a managing director or a marketing manager? You know, where should I start working on these kind of things in order to create that differentiated experiences which I think most companies strive for and, and would like to achieve? Yeah, so I would say I, I think it's employees first. Mm. And, and what I found throughout my research is that there's about 15 different ways that you can, you can drive that engagement. Um, but I'll give you just kind of three that I think are the most important. Mm -hmm. The first, the first one is is just the importance of transparency. Be, being as open as you can as a leader about the decisions and the direction of the company. 
Um, it's when the intent of that leader or that company starts to get questioned is when the culture really starts to get strained. So as much as you can kind of keep things open, um, the better. Um, the, the second one, which is, is such a hot button topic now as we knock wood that we're coming out of the global pandemic is the importance of flexibility and how important flexibility is for employees. So this blew me away, Jacob. There was just a recent study here in the US and they asked employees here in the US, they said, would you rather take a $30,000 increase in your salary or would you rather be have the option just to work flexible, remote, hybrid, your choice? Two, almost two out of every three employees in the US decided that they would forego the additional salary and take the flexibility. Awesome. And, and it's when you look at, you know, you look at things like time away is important for, for employees, but flexibility may even eclipse that. Um, so that's, I would say, a second one. That's a big one. Um, the third one, and this is going to sound almost too simple, is thinking about how you bring new employees into your organization. And so you can't spend enough time to do a great job with onboarding employees. And, and the simple reason being is that very quickly in that employee's tenure, they make a decision whether or not they're going to be with the company for the long term. Um, and I think right now you can't afford to get that wrong because we're living in a market um, I just read from McKinsey that about 40% of people are currently looking for their next job. Um, uh, just over a year into the pandemic, that number was almost two out of three people mm. were thinking about their next job. If you're not getting off on the right foot and creating that great experience, it's hard to make up for it. Mm. Awesome. So interesting to hear. And where do you think most companies go wrong when they don't manage to implement those things? Would you start with the management or would you start with the recruitment process and profiles or where do people miss the point in order to get this work? Well, I, I think to your point, I think it starts with leadership. Mm. Um, when they, th this is a stunning thing. When they ask people who voluntarily leave an organization they, they find out that 70% of people don't quit their job. They, they quit their boss. And, and so many times, I think, as, as we put people in leadership positions before they're probably trained enough or seasoned enough mm -hmm. to be able to manage those relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a, that's a key thing. It all starts from 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 leadership mm, yeah and when you have been working with those things do you think how do you see marketing communication and marketing and sales come in to create a, a unique experience or a differentiated experience have any, any thoughts around that topic 
Sure. So we, the, one of the more recent books, we did the pink goldfish, which I think from a strategy perspective is the best in the entire series. We just did the 2.0 last summer. And that's all about figuring out ways that you can stand out. And Jacob, we studied for that one over 400 companies that had created a marketplace separation. So they had achieved differentiation. And it turns out when we studied them, we found there's only two ways that you can stand out. One is to embrace what makes you unique, weird, or different. And not try to cover that up, but actually do more of those things. So that's kind of the more strategy to stand out in the marketplace. And then there's also a less strategy. So what happens is about 97% of people and companies get stuck in the box of the norms of their given industry. And so it just becomes a safe thing to do and not question why they do a lot of things. You know, that if they, they really ask themselves, they'd say, well, because that's what everyone else does. And so the second strategy is what we call a less strategy. And it's the idea of looking at some things that you do just because it's the normal course of business and maybe pull back and do less of those things. Mm -hmm. And because you do less, you actually stand out. And that also frees up time and attention to double and triple down on the things that you can actually, that are unique to you and inherent to you as different. Very interesting to hear. Yeah, that's good. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. And I know... Since you have been a TED Talk speaker as well and have uh, a few popular speeches there, and you talked about that no one never meets expectations, but rather falls short or exceeds them. Can you break down uh, that a little bit for us? What do you mean with that? Yeah, so I think that's the biggest myth in marketing mm. is that we set out just to meet the expectations of a client or a customer that we serve. And if we're being honest, it's like being on time. Like no one is ever just on time, right? You, you're either early or you're late, right? Mm -hmm. No one is exactly on time. Mm -hmm. So given the choice of either doing more, right? Honoring the relationship, going above the transaction or the opposite, you know, and no one has ever told me that that's a great strategy, doing less than what your client or customer expects. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing this right now from Louisiana. There's a great word. It's a Creole word that comes from Louisiana, and it's called lanyap. Mm -hmm. And lanyap is a practice of doing a little bit more. And so it was, it was commonplace. It dates all the way back to the 1800s here in New Orleans. and it's the idea of doing a little something extra, you know, just 
just for good measure, to honor the relationship that we have. And I think a lot of times business is kind of this, you know, this pulling for value, right? And not enough is kind of step back and like, hey, I want to do this just for the basis of the relationship. Um, so I, I think what great companies do is that they find ways, signature ways that they can do a little bit more. And by doing that, they differentiate themselves and they honor that relationship. So interesting. Yeah. And it's hard to, I suppose, uh, uh, I mean, the successful companies do exceed expectations are good to do that on a, on a regular basis. So definitely so interesting. Any, do you have any mistakes learned from trying to exceed customers' expectations that you can share from uh, companies you work with or similar learnings? Yeah, so I think a lot of times people think that doing the little extra is always about something kind of of value that you give. And that's certainly part of it. Mm. But what I found when I looked through over a thousand examples is that there's added value and then there's what I call the maintenance equation. And the maintenance equation is about the ease of doing business with you. Mm. And some of the little things that you can do is, how do you make it more convenient? How do you follow up with me? Right? How do you give a little bit of added service? It may not cost anything. Right? Um, how can you just do little things to reduce the effort that I have to expend? to do business. And I think sometimes that gets lost. Um, some people want to jump just to the value side of the equation. And unless you're giving something that's unique and, and signature to you as a business, then sometimes that little extra can be wasted. And I think that's, that's, that's a shame when that happens. Mm. Very, very true. So the service or the the experience of getting the purchase or getting the service delivered might be the best places to work in order to go the extra mile or, or to stand out. That's so true. Um, it is, especially, especially if you have what we call gaps. So there mm -hmm. may be areas where you're not meeting the expectation. That would be the first place I would say, like, make it easier. It's like a pothole, right? Fill it out, smooth out that part of the experience. But what can't get lost is that most of customer experience and client experience is forgettable, right? No, no one, you, you get what you ask for. No one's writing a review for that. No one's going above and beyond to tell their friends about that experience. So gaps are important, but I think it's equally important, if not more so, that you focus on what's what I call opportunities. And so these are key moments in the experience, Jacob. This is you maybe finishing a big project for a client, right? How do you celebrate that in a way that's signature um, to, your, to your agency um, and, and honors that relationship, right? How do you create that peak moment? Um, and, and some studies show that those peak moments actually return on a nine to one level than just fixing the mistakes. So I think it's, it's a matter of trying to know that there's both that you're, you're trying, it's not an or question. It's more of an and question. Mm -hmm. How do you do both? 
Uh, so interesting. And uh, yeah, we have talked a bit about that as well here at Bright Vision. And, and we typically say that it's probably cheaper and easier to, to become better at service or, you know, the not the core things, but rather the experience and the communication, as you said, right. rather than improving the result or making the deliverable 10% better or faster, which is quite costly because that includes processes and uh, investments and design and optimization. But, you know, being better in the experiences there, um, yeah, not so costly, but demands a lot of discipline from the organization and the culture which is not easy to to uh, <laughs> to create either. Right. So uh, I think it's so interesting to hear that uh, we have been a little bit aligned there. But for 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 a company who who strives to be a little bit better, try to be more disciplined. Um, have you seen anything? Where do the culture starts? How do you create that kind of culture where everybody leans in and want to go the extra mile? So one of, one of my kind of heroes and really the pioneer of, of experience was Walt Disney. Mm. Um, and I, I, I tell a number of kind of Disney stories because I think they're so amazing because they really get the guest experience. And, you know, they don't have employees, they have cast members because they realize, you know, how important it is for those employees to be engaged in the process. Walt was amazing. He realized that over the course of time, people's expectations rise. You know, very few times do people expectations, they might give you a pass, but their expectations don't go down. Mm. And so what great companies do is that they're constantly looking at the experience and finding little ways to improve it. Now, Walt actually had a word for it. And I love this. He called it plussing and he would he would look at any part aspect of the, the disney parks and he would go to the the imagineers and the cast members and he would say how can we just make it a little bit better mm. and so uh, this is a jack welch quote um former head of ge now the late jack welch he said that there's only two keys to competitive advantage he said one is learning about your customers and clients faster than your competition. But he said that only gets you insight. And that's just knowledge. Insight without action is useless. So he said the second part is, is how can you put those insights into action faster than your competition? And so what I think great companies do and what I've, what I've found is that they're never not looking at it. They're always testing, trying new stuff out, seeing what sticks. And over the course of the time, they just don't do one thing that's unique and different. They have a whole you know, tank of goldfish that helps them stand out. Wow, so cool. Uh, thank you for describing that Disney and uh, Jack Welch quote. That's awesome. Uh, I'll remember that. <laughs> So, uh, so fascinating to hear this. Uh, we could go on all day just interviewing, but you're, you're a busy guy, Stan, so, so I won't keep you much longer now. But will we see more goldfish books from you in the future? And will they continue to focus on the little ways to drive differentiation, increasing loyalty, or what's, what's you're up to on your next project here? So, so great, great question. I 
black was definitely a culmination because I had done 10 different colors and there's, I've run out of almost colors. <laughs> I'm into like metals and gemstones. I have the diamond goldfish, the golden goldfish, the silver goldfish, and all of the, all of those colors and gems and metals, you know, there's a reasoning behind that. There's a story behind that. Um, this is the first time Jacob in 12 years that I don't know what the next color is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm kind of, I've been at a pretty torrid pace for a while. Um, so there's a couple ideas that I'm playing with, but nothing definitive right now. Well, we're looking forward to see what, what it might be. And, uh, would like to invite you back whenever that day comes when you release a new book. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Stan, for your insights. So Last but not least, for people who uh, you know want to reach out to you for uh, speaker engagement or just want to listen or read more about your content, where can we send them? Great. So the best place I write almost every day uh, under a hashtag called The1299 on LinkedIn. Um, so that's a great place to find me. I lopside my effort there. That's the only social platform that I, I could try to try to Try to practice what I preach. Yeah. Um, and then the well, second I place, wouldn't say you're I wouldn't say you're a failure on Twitter. You had 25k followers there. Yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> I've been on there since you know 2000, what six or seven. So yeah. I, well, yeah. It's it's a um, uh, hundred times my following. So I mean <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but LinkedIn, the, LinkedIn it is. LinkedIn it is, and then uh stanphelps.com. Mm. or stanphelpspeaks.com mm. um, and reach out. I'd love to continue the conversation. We love it, it uh, to continue that as well. And uh, I will definitely uh, hang out at your uh, LinkedIn profile and read your stuff there, Stan. So thank you so much. And I wish you all the best with your future endeavors now and uh, catch you on the flip side. Great. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.